This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about Alien. Dad, can you hear me? Yes. Will you let me in? No. I won't be able to do the podcast if you don't let me in. That's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Inner hatch open. Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Andy. Hi. And Morgan is back. Hello. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Uh, You can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And actually, we've just started on YouTube, where I'm thinking I might put the episodes up on YouTube. Uh, you can also contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com. And we're going to try something new. Uh, we're going to take suggestions. So if you have any movies you think you'd like us to do... Well, to you about. say any. Well, that's true. <laughs> There's no guarantee that we'll necessarily do the movies that you suggest, but it would be great to hear what other the people out there um, are interested in hearing. We have had, in fact, one request from someone who requested Gladiator, which I'm almost certain we will do at some point fairly soon. Uh, he also requested Goonies. I'm not sure we'll do that one anytime soon, but we might. We might. Who knows? But I'd love to hear from you. So you can use uh, email at smallstuffcast.com for that. Uh, I should also say that our music is by Skeleton King. Uh, you can find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. Right, chap. So I first saw Alien uh, with my our old friend Nick, Nick Ponsford. He's come up before, hasn't he? I think he has, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, shout out to Nick Ponsford. I'm sure he doesn't listen, but maybe he does. Anyway, um, he and I watched it in... <laughs> it's going to sound a bit weird. He and I watched it uh, in his parents' bedroom. It, it was. <laughs> I always found it slightly unusual. Again, shout out to Nick Ponsford. He, his, he only had one TV in, house, in his mm-hmm. house, which wasn't unusual for those days. Um, but it, was, it wasn't in his living room like everyone else I knew. They had the TV in his parents' bedroom. Anyway, so we sat side by side on his parents' bed... And we watched Alien. I must have been early teens, I think, probably, I don't know, 13, it's a 14. a touching tale. Yeah. yeah. It scared me to death. I don't know. I mean, I can't remember the last time. Sorry, the first time I saw this. But I was a lot older than early teens. Anyone who knows me at all well, I am, I'm not, I'm not the best with scary anything, frankly. And I don't think I, I voluntarily watched this until I was probably like 17 I think I was scared into watching it, or rather I was forced into or rather peer pressured into watching it yeah. earlier than that, but I probably didn't. I probably hid behind a cushion. For a good, I see what you're saying. So you, you've, you watched it before then, but you, you actually chose to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the first time I watched it, I was hiding behind a cushion as well. Yeah. It's good. Which was about a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but we all agree it's, um, it's solid. Yeah. I did actually hide behind a cushion once or twice this time around as well. I, I believe you said to me, in fact, it was it last time we talked about this, that it's the only other film yep. that you've given. There are two films in this world I've given 10 out of 10, and that's for quality and near perfection, and that is Jaws and Alien. Yeah, well, there you have it. There we have it. Two genre-defining films, both made in the 70s. Hmm. I think we should just... Unless there's other some big stuff that you want to mention, anything else in its, its position in in science fiction history or anything like that, before we just dive in. 
them? I don't think so. No, I don't know enough about other sci-fi horror to make any salient point, really. Fair enough. So I want to stay right at the beginning with the opening credits. (laughs) This film doesn't waste any time in being slow and steady and patient. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right at the beginning, the opening credits start as it means to go on really, really slow and moody. It's brilliant, isn't it? Well, I love the opening credits. It's really cool just seeing the ship pan across with the towers. And it's, it just looks incredible, yeah. even though it is slow. But even before that, either the, the slow appearance of the, the title and the really quiet kind of gentle music and everything, it's just... I was mesmerised by the, the, the title appearing, the word alien appearing. I was like... Is that going to spell alien? I mean, it's been a while since I've watched mm. it, so I was like, uh, okay, this is good. I can see where they're going with this. I didn't realise it, it did that. Like I say, it's been a few years since I've watched it. So, I do feel like you referenced the the ship going by. I, I do feel like they they took a leaf out of Star Wars's book because it's very reminiscent of the Star Destroyer mm-hmm. going um, above yeah. our heads and the opening of of star wars so, so it's almost the exact shot just a different ship yeah almost mm-hmm. feel like it was intentional yeah maybe can't blame them it was flipping cool and then it's also move on from the credits and and talk about like basically the opening scenes where the sort of the ship wakes up and the crew wakes up that's all very patient as well mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> takes a long time to get into the chamber and just like one opens up then the next and it's just very very slow. I I do love the the um, when the what do you even call it the sleeping room the bedroom doors open the puff of or the puff of wind that that sways the um whatever the tunics or whatever they are hanging on the rack there. I just think that was a really nice touch. Yeah, just, I noticed that as well. It just seemed like it gave a bit more like significance to that area. Yeah, it's just it kind of create. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, it, it makes that room different from the rest of the ship because it's mm-hmm. sealed off, and it kind of creates a bit of world building um, effect with the that. Yeah, I think they do a good job in that scene as well, where they 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 sort of move you around the ship pretty quickly, showing the different systems coming to light. So it kind of introduces you to the the vessel in quite an elegant way. Um, you see all the screens popping into life. It does remind you, though, doesn't it? When you when you look at uh, sci-fi from back in the 70s and earlier when they try and project future technology using the only technology they then have. Mm-hmm. It's bad. I mean, they don't blame them for it. There's nothing they could do, but you think, wow, some of this looks... It's very analogue, isn't it, in yeah. places? Yeah, Even I... though it's digital, it still looks analogue. It's a bit... And the, the um, it's a little bit later on, but it's worth mentioning, seeing as we're on this topic now, there's a scene where they lose, they lose contact with the away team and the the screen goes to old fashioned TV snow, yeah. like the white noise, yeah, like yeah. because that was when we were kids and the TV stopped working. It was it just went to snow. Yep. Well, another point about the old fashioned technology is when you first go into Mother, it's like old computers with the massive screens, mm-hmm. like. It's like a PC room all around. Yeah, because the, the screens actually the tiny, but I don't know why lights signify technology. And why do they make noises? When when why do they tick when they go on and off? Mm. It's weird, isn't it? 
Well, it, it goes back to what you already said about it. That's, that's what we knew about technology, isn't it? Mm. And it, and we it, it's a call back to what we said in the vac- National Lampoon's Vacation yeah. pod, where it was nobody knew how computers worked back then. No, exactly right. And even you see it in other things, right? It's a bit of a trope, isn't it? Where the text appearing on the screen makes a noise. Yeah. Weird. And it appears like someone's typing it, even <laughs> though someone's not typing it. Yeah. Yeah, there we are. They just <clears throat> they just didn't know back then. Well, you know, actually, I'm going to go. We're going to carry on with this tangent because I was thinking about this the other day. The only sci-fi franchise I think that got it close to what we have right now is Star Trek. I agree. So maybe not the original Star Trek, but Next Generation. They have touch panel screens. They have iPad-like things. They have voice control. Yep. They have things on their watches. They have wearables. Yeah, yeah, wearables, yeah. That's it. They have communicators like phones. Star Trek was... I haven't, was on a, I haven't seen enough of it to really know what it's like. So even LaForge has got sort of augmented reality, yeah. sort of burned into his brain, mm. isn't he? Yeah. Well, we'll do we'll do a Star Trek. We'll do first contact one day. Talking about doing suggestions and mm. requests, we'll we'll do first contact. This is just suggestion for ourselves. Yeah. Star Trek first contact. Yeah. Thank you for your suggestion. My us. pleasure. Uh, I just um, going back to the the opening scene where the, the ship wakes up and the crew wakes up. Do you think it's intentional that only we really only see Kane waking up? Why does he get up so much earlier than everybody else? He's ready to die. And we watch him getting up, but we do, we don't see the others. It's I don't know. Maximise his screen time. Yeah. Because he was, was the first to die. That's yeah. what I was thinking. <laughs> he was one of the biggest stars on the on the movie. Yep. I, I just feel like it was symbolic of something. I mean, I couldn't tell you what. I'm not a student of cinema enough to know what it means, but um, it's worth pointing out at least. So there is a line just before they approach the planet when they're discussing what to do and Parker is mouthing off and Ash is trying to say something. Mm-hmm. And Dallas says, will you listen to the man? Talking to Parker, saying to listen to Ash. And the camera cuts to Ash and you can't really tell what he's thinking, but it's it's a little bit like, oh. I'm not really a man. and They don't know that yet. Slightly insulted that he's called him a man. Well, yeah, there's something yeah. there, isn't there? It's and First time you watch it, you wouldn't probably notice it. Yeah. But knowing what you know later on. I mean, first time I watched it, I suspected Ash of being something, but it was not like fully fledged. I knew what you he was going to be. suspected he was an idiot. But yeah. Yeah. He's just, yeah. I mean, he just acts in a, a slightly unusual way, doesn't he? So, um you know something's not quite right, but it's hard to know. It's well done, isn't it? Because he's very po-faced most of the time. He's yeah. expressionless yeah. and he's very um, he's very to the point. He doesn't stray. There's no small talk. Um, he, if, if people mess around with something he's doing, he gets slightly agitated. But yeah, there's no clear indication, is there, other mm-hmm. than that stuff where uh, um, yeah, there's a hint, as you say, to yeah. um, it later on. But yeah. Well, another point on the landing. Yeah. It seems incredibly hard. What? The landing. <clears throat> like them going down. Like they were sweating, moving about all rough. Like... Well, do you think that's because they're landing on a completely unknown planet? They don't know the. I'm sure that Mother has analyzed the atmosphere and they sort of they can figure out what the descent is going to be like. But at the end of the day, you still don't know. Yeah. how the journey is going to be it could it it's you know they they say when you take a flight the 
the dangerous bits of the takeoff and the landing, right? And so you've got to assume it's the same in this. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. I don't fully understand the landing because, okay, it's it's a rough landing. It clearly does some damage to the ship because they're, they're Parker and Brett are fixing it. But it's like random fires start happening in the cockpit and like things just blowing up. I was like, huh? what? Mm. what's happening? It's like we must show you in some way that the ship has been damaged without showing you the actual damage to the ship, which, you know, I understand. But well, another thing about the damage is I, this is something I just found really funny. Um, so when they're fixing it, Brett and um, Parker, Brett just gets a welding torch out and lights a cigarette. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that's how that's how people rolled back then. Yeah, we're not here just to rag on this film, by the way. It's just <laughs> it's little points we pick mm. up. Well, okay. I'm speaking of that. I'm I'm going to sort of defend it somewhat, seeing as we are being a little bit critical at the beginning. I think as an implementation of a vision, it's exceptional. Are we still on the landing? And just the whole film. Oh no! I, I mean, this agree. is big stuff now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they there's really there's very little explanation, very little exposition. They they don't pander to people who can't quite follow it. They just tell the story they want to tell visually and you just have to keep up. And I love that. And and as someone obviously had this vision of, of the the universe they'd created and the technology that was being used and and they just there's no pandering to yeah. to the audience. Just, you know, enjoy it. <clears throat> I yeah. like oh, no, you go first. Just yeah. Please don't misunderstand. This is still ten out of ten. <laughs> okay, okay, good. All right. Well, I think that the plot there's no plot explanation which is really good for like immersing yourself in the world mm. and there's no character like oh this now happens and this yeah. is well we need we've to talked do. about this on the pod before isn't it it's it's show don't tell they it's, just show you everything there's just there's no fat on this steak is there yeah. at all mm-hmm. it's just it's there for a reason almost all of it um, there's almost nothing that um, you could take away and it'd be not noticed. So that'll come up later on with the um, incidental character category. What, like there aren't any? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after the landing, they have a chat because they've got to repair the, the ship and uh, they've got to decide what they're going to do about the, the signal. Yeah, so three of them are assigned to go out and, and Ash obviously stays back and has some kind of commanding, a science officer, has some kind of commanding role in, in the uh, away team. And there's a there's a little scene um, where he I don't know what, what what he does but just before he sits down he does a little jig yes little little run on the spot gets into his seat as if he's jigging himself up <laughs> well it's great they mention that first of all they mention that it's cold like really cold outside which I'm mm-hmm. assuming will seep into the ship and it'll probably be a bit chilly in the ship so he does sort of blow on his hands to warm he does himself a little, up yeah, yeah. but I also <clears> think maybe it's slightly androidy like he's just Getting the system back up and it's running really fast. It's a yeah. really fast little run on the spot, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it makes a very satisfying sound because his clothes are quite his, his his clothes are quite tight, so it sort of it kind of <laughs> makes that good noise. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. I put that. Up, I should have put that up in uh, audio corner. Actually, the sound his clothes make. So the, the clothes, clothes yeah. rubbing together. But when they're out, um, there's the three of them on like the away team, and Ripley and Ash are on board with Brett and Parker. There's that very weird... It's the only scene in the film which I don't think needs to be there. We're talking about, mm-hmm. like, fat on this steak. 
there's the scene where she's talking to Brett and Parker about oh yeah. like I don't know it's weird there's like the, there's steam venting out of everywhere and you, you can't hear what they're saying which I think the point he's trying just to wind her up right they yeah. just because as soon as she walks away he turns the steam off yeah I and just they're like they're just trying to make fun of her or something I don't know it's weird you're it's right an, it's an odd scene and I just don't think it needs to be there and it's weirdly dubbed as well because she says like you'll get exactly what's coming to you and, it, and it's just a really weirdly delivered line mm-hmm. and it's just, it's odd. I think it was unnecessary. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but then more important stuff is happening on the on the planet and in the in the ship. I did, yeah, go on. There's, um, there's a lovely little bit where they switch between the guys outside. There's a raging storm, mm-hmm. blizzard, the wind's howling. And a couple of times they cut back to Ash, just behind Ash, looking out. And it's completely silent. Mm-hmm. And then they go back. It's so good. It's really, really good. You see this kind of half-lit silhouette of Ash with a storm beyond and then the, the contrast in the really, really loud storm and then the, the peace and quiet in the shift. I think that's, uh, that's wonderful. Agreed. So when I first watched this film all those years ago in Nick's parents' bedroom, um, <laughs> the first WTF moment, except it wasn't a WTF moment because back then WTF didn't exist, uh, for me was when we see the alien life form, whatever he's doing, in the chair yep. on the ship. First of all, he's enormous. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is the alien. Because I didn't know what the film was about. Yep, This is it. This is the alien. But wait, what? He's, huh? he's dead? What is he? What's going on? Is it an alien? Is mm-hmm. it just a chair? I couldn't tell. Uh, but it's a great moment. Well, I never really had that because of social media. Yeah. Because I knew what the alien looked like before I ever saw the film. Mm-hmm. So it kind of ruined it for me. But I guess that's what I get for being born later. Damn yeah. you, millennials. Wait, no, we we had this discussion the other day. You're not a millennial, are you? What are you? Gen Z. Gen Z. Oh, I hate that. But yeah, you're right. That, that, um, that whole scene as they see the ship, actually, we talked about, uh, you mentioned how they make things really real. And everything feels, you know, to scale in the right place. Everything there's nothing there's nothing exaggerated about it. The ship, it, it, they, considering the technology they had, it looks so good. Mm. Like when they walk in, they obviously there's a kind of crescent shape. They sit yeah. with the two ends, um, and then as they get closer, everything looks completely believable. Which I think is which is definitely a credit to the, I guess the model makers and, and, and the visual effects guys at the time. It just looks fantastic, I think, and everything inside. It's got a vision and they stick to that vision. And it's only when they see the eggs that things look different. And then you know, oh, something's up. Yeah, yeah. Well, so just a bit before that, there's a little tiny thing that I really love. So mm. with the space suits, they're a bit a bit weird. But yeah. I love that there's like a little steam whale spout at the top. Mm-hmm. So when they breathe, steam just goes... Yeah. They seem the bad top. suits though, don't they? They're misting up. Their visors yeah. are misting up. Well, it, um, what does Kane say? It's like the the GD to- tropics down here. It might, it's, you know, it's, it's humid, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking any about. Difference? No, Unless we're not scientists, not. folks. No. But I don't believe a spacesuit suit should mist up on the inside. Well, no, it definitely shouldn't. I think that's a bad time. Water inside a spacesuit is is a bad time. We've already touched on it at the start with the opening joke. Yes. Just that whole scene, the seriousness and the 
frustration is all brilliant. You're talking about when they come back from yes. the the away team comes back Ripley. and and Ripley Thanks. wants to keep them quarantined. Because they're also the three that the two that yeah. came back on board with the with Kane's body with the face hugger on it are so panicked, and then the contrast to Ripley's like sincere, like really serious nature is, yeah, like, and she's calm, she's yeah. definitive, she knows the rules, she's going to stick to the rules. It might have been different if she'd been one on the outside. Mm-hmm. You don't know that, but um, yeah, that's when maybe the first time we realize Ripley's legit, right? She's, she's yeah, I think so. That's the kind of the comeuppance. You not the comeuppance, but her her making. You you kind of suddenly realize that because I guess at the time she wasn't hugely famous. I don't think so. Um, you suddenly realize okay, she's the real deal. She's the person who's going to kind of draw the strings together at the end potentially. Yeah. <laughs> but then. Ash opens the inner hatch, or Andy lets lets Morgan into the pod, um, <laughs> and uh, they. I, I guess once that's happened, Ripley just has to deal with it. And so, I mean, she does have a, a bit of an argument with Ash later on, but in terms of operation of the ship, you just got to keep going, right? And you deal with it the best you can. So she's like, "How is he? Or how's Kane? Or something like that." When they, she's they're watching the. It's basically like an inspection of the the face hugger. Yeah, I've got things to say about that a bit later. But yeah, so when when they're doing the inspection, so there's a scene where Ash is taking Dallas through it and they're looking at it. And um, Tom Skerritt is being Tom Skerritt. It's so good. So I'm a fan of Tom Skerritt's not looking at the person he's talking to acting. (laughs) He does it quite a bit in Top Gun. Uh, And he does it here. So Ash is closer to the camera. Tom Skerritt, Dallas, is uh, is giving, is talking to Ash, but he's only talking to him through some Tom Skerritt side eye. It's okay, I'm going to have to look out for that. He's staring forward and just glancing from the side at him. It's, uh, yeah, well done, Tom Skerritt. <laughs> well, he was, sorry, Morgs, he was the biggest star, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. When they released the movie, it was like, oh, he's the big name. Yeah. So, well, further on. There's a little, like, tiny thing that I picked up on that I want to go into in the categories. So yeah, I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it now. Save a like, little surprise. Okay. Just yeah, Thanks just for telling like, us about something that you can't talk about. That's good. <laughs> <Keep> the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So they, um, just, to, I guess, the look and feel of the medbay, actually, at this point. It is contrasting, apart from every room, other than Mother's room, which is kind of bright, and actually when they wake up, it's all mm. bright and breezy. I think the med bay, they've done a really good job of making it look like a legit med bay. It looks, it's very clean. The technology looks actually not far off what I think we'd have. It's got instruments there which look like, you know. Yeah, laser uh, cutters and such. I think it look. I think the med bay, and, you know, the scanner they put, came through and all that i think it looks really really good again just going back to the point where you know i think given the technology that they had at the time um, to project into the future uh, i think the whole film was good but i think the med base specifically mm. excellent 
they have a conversation shortly after that uh, between, between Ripley and Dallas, and they basically specifically talk about Ash. And he says how they changed science officer like two days before they mm-hmm. took off or what have you. And then he goes, like he essentially washes his hands of the decisions that Ash is making. And he goes, I just want to get out of here. And it made me think, is, he, is Dallas a bad captain? I mean, is, he's, he's not really, he doesn't care. I get the impression every single one of those people is in it for the money. I mean, clearly like Parker, Parker is, yeah. right? But I get the impression that this isn't a job they want to do necessarily. It's a job that they can do. And I mean, I don't know what their job entails when they are mining. But uh, Well, I think they're probably not mining. They're just crew. They're just ship's crew. That's what I mean. Yeah. So they're just are they delivering. I mean, whatever it is they're doing, I don't think it's much more than crewing the ship to and from someplace. Yeah, and who wants to sit in hyperspace, hypersleep for twelve months or whatever? Yeah, that's a fair point. But I do think, well, I think that's ultimately it, isn't it? That he has a job to do, and his job is exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. So when they've got this submission, in which in theory is checking out a signal, they do it because they have to do it. But he doesn't want to be doing it. He just wants to get out of there, and so he's he is Mm -hmm. sort of washing his hands of of whatever Ash is saying to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he, he's quite happy that Ash is prepared to make hard decisions. I'm not going to I'm not trying to change your mind, Dallas. I just want you to listen. Will you listen to me? Just tell me how you can leave that kind of decision to him. Look, I just run the ship. Anything that has to do with the science division, Ash has the final word. How does that happen? It happens, my dear, because that's what the company wants to happen. Which is a shame, because I like Dallas. Yeah, you like Tom Skerritt. I do like him. Yeah. Well, and in his defence, when it really comes down to it and someone's got to go in the air vents, it's, he's definitive yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He tells him exactly what to do. So, I mean, he does step up to the plate when the time comes. Right, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty, the, the, the turning point of the whole film when Kane wakes up. And Morgan's already exhaling. <laughs> so go on then, hit me. What do you got to say about that sequence where he wakes up and they have the gruesome. meal? Very, very gruesome. But before that, I noticed a little thing where he started eating like a lot more when he had the alien inside him. Yeah, it's like oh. a it's like a mother eating yeah. more to feed the baby. Yeah, it's his idea. He's he's starving. He says it himself, doesn't he? I'm starving. They one meal before before we go back to the freezerinos. Weird, isn't it? The whole thing, though. Like, I, going back to like protocol about you know when when Ash finally opened the door, going back a few minutes now. Mm-hmm. I then don't understand in this bit. They all go and see Kane. What, what, what's happened to quarantine? They leave the door open. Like they're just Parker's eating. <laughs> oh, you mean like yeah? yeah so unhygienic no, in the <laughs> infirmary. They've no idea what this hugger has done mm. to Kane. Clearly, um, or at least you know. There's no indication that they know. So they just know. assume that everything's fine. This okay. thing that had you in a chokehold and was breathing for you, yeah, yeah. it's gone. So uh, fine, let's go back to normal. Go and eat. It's really weird. Again, does that go back to the fact that they just they they don't want to be doing the thing that they're doing? They just want to go home. It's got to be probably. There's yeah. a bit actually when when the face hugger is 
going back a bit, the face ogre is off of Kane. Yeah. They go in to look for it. And it leaves the door open. Actually, Ash goes back and cl- closes it after 10, 15 seconds. Mm. But then Ash is like, he's rubbing his hand along the top of his shelf. What are you going to do if it's there? He's like, like he's rubbing dust away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be the next victim if just, it's still alive. It's, it's yeah. their, their attitude. And I think, mm. you know, given what we know of Ash, their, their behaviour towards the the alien is very odd at this point. And the quarantine just doesn't make it, well, there isn't any, there's no control over who goes in and does what, with what gear on. I suppose Ash is the only one that really knows what's going on, and he doesn't fully know what's going on either, I shouldn't think. But that, the uh, alien through Kane's chest thing, still pretty nasty, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, you know, it's an iconic moment in cinema, and rightly so. Is that the worst way to die in this film? Steady on, don't jump ahead. We've got to talk about it. I don't think so. It's a noted Uh, way to die. Okay, well, that will come up in the quick hits before the the categories. Another thing I have is during that scene, like uh, when um, Kane's still alive, you can hear his heartbeat in the background and it get quicker and quicker. And then when the thing comes through, it just stops. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So potentially the best small stuff in the whole film is in this scene. It's not any fancy special effects. It's not any, like, real sort of dramatic kind of deaths or anything like that. It's when the first, I don't know, the very first little crack of Kane's chest when the blood appears on his his shirt, there is a moment where everybody goes silent and freezes. And it's so good. I mean, for me, that's almost the epitome of small stuff. Because it it just sums up the moment so well. They are just so unbelievably shocked. They have no idea what to do, what's happening, how to cope with this. And then he starts, carries on writhing and they all get sort of shocked back into to well, action again. But it's well, just a moment of genius. They right? should know it's something bad because on the alien in the ship before, um, they saw the yes. hole in the chest. So they well, must know. I'm sure they were slowly putting two and two together, I think. Yeah. But in the heat of the moment, you probably don't do that. So that that scene is iconic, clearly. But I think the effects let itself down a little bit. When the the alien runs away, it looks great until it looks like a Muppet running. (laughs) (laughs) You can just imagine a dude with a stick moving it across the table. I I think they had to do it. And obviously they they needed to, uh, they could only use the technology that they had, but it... It looks like he's running like like a dude. Yeah, wobbling. like when Kermit runs. Exactly like that, yeah. and everything's wobbling because his arms are flapping around. And, mm. Yeah, but anyway, sad but true. Still ten out of ten. Yeah, okay. <laughs> these are <laughs> these are minor marks that you're taking off. Very minor. <laughs> they have a very quick f- K- uh, funeral for Kane. Very quick. He why gets... does he go? Why do they eject him so quickly? I they probably don't have a choice. But it, you'd imagine some serene, well, but... like kind of release. They fire him well, like a not, torpedo. But again, they're not. Well, no, I don't think they. I don't think he gets fired. I think it's just okay. the suction of space. He's, but yeah, he's toppling. Yeah. It. <laughs> well, and I think that's, that sums it up. I was going to say, does anybody want to say anything? And nobody wants to say anything. No one cares. They, they, they don't know the guy probably no. very well. You know, just crew member. I expected like a really slow, like the coffin yeah. to just slowly go out. Some basically. kind of flag draped coffin. But no, yeah. it's like a missile. It's a cool thing. <laughs> it's a cool thing. I like it. They then go searching for the alien. 
the the tiny little alien they think they're going looking for it. So they made the uh, what is it called the like the motion detector. Yeah. And Ripley's um, response to Ash um, talking about how he technically made it was changes in air density. My ass. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> well, why do they buy into that so quickly? Buy into what? Well, they don't ask any. I mean, it, it looks like a vacuum cleaner. And the demonstration of it working is at an arm's length. Well, I can mm. see that far. Well, I think, I, think, I guess they just trust the science officer, yeah, right? right? And it's, it does work, kind of, right? Oh, I wouldn't have gone out with that. It does okay. work. And they find the cat with it. I wouldn't have gone out with that. And Parker's net sucks. There's <laughs> a lot of holes in it. It's really it's a net. stiff. Yeah, it's, not, it's like a stiff twine or something. Yeah. The holes are big, right? And it's about... I don't know, what, five foot square? It's rubbish. Bear in mind, they think they're hunting for a thing that's the size of a cat. go through the holes. And like I say, I'm sorry, but a stiff net is not going to help you. No, okay. It's just going to lie at an angle on top of something and run out the other side. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) You do not approve of their methods. No, I do not. Uh, They find the cat. So you know how Chris Chris does this from time to time on the pod? He he mentioned how... um, the Untouchables is a good mumbling movie mm-hmm. and uh, Jaws is, is good similarly. This is quite a good mumbling and grumbling film. There's a lot of sort of under the breath, like what you just said about the micro density um, changes. But even more so, I think this is a great laughing under stress movie. There are at least three <laughs> moments where a character laughs, uh, even though it's a, quite a serious and stressful situation. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene that we we're just talking about, when Brett lets the cat go, the laugh that Parker does is so good because it's like, why'd you do that, you idiot? But then it comes up again. There's another laugh. Um, Dallas chuckles a little bit when uh, Kane asks if the the alien ship is within walking distance. Mm-hmm. And he gives a little bit of a laugh. And then they're like, oh, maybe we should do that. And then uh, a little bit later on, um, Ripley laughs when Ash says they're still collating. This is later on when things are much yeah. more serious. And she gives a good laugh then. So, yeah, um, that's the category I'm going to put this in. It's a good laughing under stress okay. movie. Well, I think we should move on to Brett's death. Okay, go on then. Well, it's, first of all, very gruesome. You don't see much. But... With a, it, there's a split second that's incredibly gruesome. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, you see the alien for the first time, mm-hmm. and you get to see how big it is. And what I find really interesting is the quick change from a tiny little, like, one foot, like, half a foot alien yeah. to the eight foot straight away. It grows quick. Yes. I like Brett as well. It was quite funny. Brett's great. It's, um, what's his name? Brett's dead. What's his name? The guy that plays him. Harry Dean Stanton, I think. He's the guy in uh, the Avengers movie when Hulk crashes through the warehouse and he's like, oh, you, came, yeah. you came out of the sky big and green and buckass <laughs> nude. That's Harry Dean Stanton. There we are. Yeah. Yeah, poor old Brett. He's gone. He's yeah. the, he was the most innocent of them all, I thought. Poor guy. Then they have... The plan 
to trap the alien in the air vents, which, as we've just discussed, Dallas takes command at this point. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm doing it. I had a really interesting thought. Like, you touched on it at the start, and I, I said to you when we were watching it, the movie feels like it has gone on for such a long time. Mm. But I feel also like it's only just begun as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's perfectly paced. Mm-hmm. I think it shares it shares a bit in common with Jaws in that sense, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. it's quite clearly delineated in two parts. Like Jaws has the part on the island and then the, the part on the boat. Aliens, Alien excuse me, has the part before Kane dies and after Kane dies. And they're almost, I don't know if they're exactly equally length, distant. No, if they're the same length is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I think what it does really really well and this is why i like it so much it tempers that pace perfectly and jaws does the same thing it doesn't speed up mm-hmm. it doesn't crescendo in any other than the story finalizing you don't get it doesn't go faster bigger louder it just continues telling the story mm-hmm. at its own damn pace and then it it's done it's perfect anything else about the the scenes the scene rather when um dallas is in the air vents so a couple of things from me Firstly, the flame f- flame throwers, the incinerators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is the why is the pilot light on it so big? Why is the fl- why is it so enormous? I think Parker had to build them, didn't he? Parker had to basically throw them together. Yes. So they're not they're not actual incinerators that were purposely because they made. look like guns with gas straps. Basically, are they just yeah? They're just gas pumps, aren't they? With a fire at the they end, they look like a health risk. Hazard yes. to yeah. anything. Yeah, um, that's what they're. However, for. however, they are. Whilst they are bad, they do provide some fantastic lighting. <laughs> Dallas going down the air yes. is so cool. He's walking towards us, and he's got the um, the incinerator just ticking away, mm. and there's, there's a bit of strobe going on, and then he's lit at the front by the orange light. It's uh, exceptionally cool. I also think the um, like the doors in the air vent help as well. The ones that like close, like a camera lens. Yeah, the aperture lens, the aperture they doors. Make awful noise though. It's like yeah. no one. They need like a, a they, ton of grease on them. They or do something. need good oiling. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I love those. I also this and this is another very small stuff, but the way Ripley holds her earpiece in, so her earpiece is on. I think it's on the right side of her head. But she holds it with her left hand. She like her hand is crossing her body to hold her earpiece in. It's just I don't know. It just always I've always noticed it watching this film. Is her other hand free? Well, we don't know because it's a close up on her face. Mm. So maybe her other hand's on the button for the uh, the event or something. I don't know. But um, Sigourney Weaver in that scene is is amazing because Lambert is you know terrified and yep. fairly useless. She's useless. Yeah, but she the Sigourney Weaver's acting is i think it's amazing it almost i did was just going to ask do we think that ripley has a bit of a thing for dallas not that they're having an affair or anything but you know do you think she's kind of i think the chemistry between if there's any obviously you've got parker and brett you've got like a a working um kind of common mentality but i think there see there definitely seems to be some um warm feelings from Ripley toward Dallas, they have a bond. Uh, yeah, there is there is a bond which which seems perhaps when I say not more than professional, I mean not you know not just their job. It's like yeah. a, a friendship, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, no, fair enough. Mm-hmm. So I just had a quick thing to say about after 
Dallas is taken, and it is taken because uh, Parker says there's no blood or whatever. Why? Why do they go into the vents? I mean, I know they have to look for him, look for Dallas, but they just literally went back. They went into the place where Dallas was just taken. It's a bit stupid. I, I just why is that at the point that? where they talk about just getting the hell out of there in the shuttle? Yeah, and that's exactly because yeah. they... Lambert is absolutely terrified. Yeah, yeah, she's so good at being terrified. Her yeah. face is is like yeah, permanently looks... scared. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. I think at every point I've seen her in this film, she was terrified. Yeah, or crying. Poor girl, she does it well. Though there's one very lovely moment, and I should have mentioned it when we were talking about the when they were the the away team and they've got their spacesuits on, and she's complaining, and I think it's. I think it's Kane says to it, tells her to stop griping. And she just goes, I like griping. It's, it's a nice line. It's kind of slightly cheerful. It's good. There aren't too many cheerful lines in this, aren't there? Not so many. A little bit of light relief is yeah. always welcome. The, the next bit is when they're just, Ash and Ripley are just not really getting on. And Mother, we're talking about Mother. Ripley's trying to get trying to get Ash to talk about what Mother wants them to do. Yeah. But Ash is just not going for it. It's such a good fight scene as well. Oh, you mean okay? So well. before she goes to speak to mother, yes, and, and then, then after, after she well. speaks to mother, there's Ash is the, the acting is a brilliant. Do we think he's malfunctioning at that point? I do. Yes. I mean, he appears to be because he appears to be just standing stock still, and he gives a, a weird sort of giggle at one point, and also, he's got some beads of white sweat. His eye, his he's not moving his head when he's looking at it. Mm. It's just his eyes moving. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? He's either malfunctioning or he's he's got um he's come to some weird juncture in his, his coding where a sensible decision can't be made and it's almost like uh, He has to stalling. do he has to do what the company is ordering him to do, basically. Yeah. And so it's overriding his core human mm. programming. Well, yeah, perhaps. there's another th- scene which shows him malfunctioning where he's just like rolling along the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just, Oh yeah, that's when he's been battered in the head. There, right? Yeah, just, just before that. Yeah. But that was also a bit. Mm. When I first saw, it, I was like, "Oh, that's yeah, pretty, that's pretty well done, actually, isn't it's it?" Yeah. I think the um, we said all along that the, they do very well with what technology they had and the, the visual effects on the uh, beating up of of Ash and the way his head kind of folds off and what's inside is is grotesque, but in a really really well done way and his reaction his physical reaction to it and the kind of the writhing and yeah no, i think that's um that's really cool yeah that and, and i even like the scene where they they basically reanimate him mm-hmm. yeah same um so i just picked up on the scene a bit because i i love the line when ripley says how do we kill it mm-hmm. and he just said you can't yeah yeah oh and the, the horrible bit where he says you have my sympathies and then he grins. Yeah. Look, I don't, I've heard enough of this, and I'm asking you to pull the plug. That's right. What? I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. It's like Mr. It's so vindictive. Parker does, does get back at him by excessively burning <laughs> that, yeah that seemed foolhardy to me putting the ship at risk yeah you don't want fire on a spaceship really no, you don't. Yeah, no. no it's a bit, a bit unnecessary 
This is, yeah, Ripley goes and realises that the cat is missing. Or she can hear the cat on the tannoy. But at the same time, Lambert and Parker are trying to find these canisters for something or other. Let's talk about Jones. Do yeah. you go find Jones? <sighs> yes, I like uh, cats. After what has happened to your crewmates, probably not. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, because I watched the, the back half of this with, with Harry, my son. I'm like, Stopped it. I'm like, do you do you go get the cat? And we both have like cats. We have cats, and we're like, oh, I don't know, oh, I don't know. Not after what everything that's happened, well, you know. I think she can't protect herself because she's got one of the incinerators. Well, so I, I just thought, know, why I not? I don't know. Yeah, but so did Dallas had an incinerator. Yeah, but he didn't shoot yeah. it. Mm. He wasn't ready. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's I think a fair I, point. I mean, I love cats, but I'm not sure. Uh, another thing, when Lambert and Parker just they face the alien. Yeah, Lambert is absolutely useless again. Just standing oh, in yeah. the way, she can't get out of the way. Yeah, I think she's frozen in fear. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as you would be, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I love the way they make us hear that through basically through Ripley's headset or through the, you know, the, the ship tannoy or whatever it is. Oh, I hate it. It's horrible. And again, this, this movie does it so well. It, it's not overly grotesque. Uh, it's not unnecessary. It doesn't glorify it in any way, but it doesn't shy away from the fact this is happening, mm-hmm. but it does it in such an effective way, particularly uh, Parker and Lambert when they um, are meeting their end. Mm-hmm. It, is, uh, it is harrowing. Really, when Ripley comes upon their death and they're just lying there, she runs away in like horror. And the camera following it is like someone's running behind her, Mm. it's like shaking and all dark, and they're running through corridors. It looks brilliant. I put good cinematography for that, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, then she starts to um, do the self destruct sequence. And my, what a sequence that is! What is that? Well, it would have to be really difficult and complicated, wouldn't it? It has to be, because otherwise you could do it very why, easily. Why do you have to put four telescopes in, like, a thing and pull them up or watch them? There's so many buttons. And slide well. a door and push a button and, and then the key, slide. The keypad has got the most obscure symbols on, and she's, like, tapping it. I mean, obviously so she knows what she's doing. And I, I get it. You can't just do this. Mm. But, man, that's, that's ludicrous of the kind of mechanical thing. That's like, a steampunk kind of control she's having to deal with. I like it. Right. Well, I mean, I'm not defending it, but I like it. I there's, just... there's only one use for that thing, right? The self-destruct. And there's yeah. so many buttons that she didn't use. Like, well, why are those buttons there? Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, that is. Normally, you know, you get like a, ooh, two keys and you need two people yeah. and, and some kind of code and, and that so actually though i mean it is self-destruct sequence but it's they it, the ship destroys is destroyed because it turns off the cooling system right that's essentially what she's doing by doing all that stuff mm-hmm. so you could say that maybe it's a cooling system control center or something and those maybe. other buttons have got something to do with that which and again i don't want to pick holes but i'm going to okay why is it if you have a self-destruct system on a ship then by engaging that mechanism, it makes it harder for you to leave. <laughs> Why is there like steam everywhere and things are starting well, to explode? My assumption was that's the cooling system like going offline and okay, like venting. And, why, is, why is that a good design? 
what's art. So, I don't I don't think they ever expected this to be a thing that they would have to do. So we're going to play this annoying klaxon constantly. We're going <laughs> to so, make the lights dim. We're going to make steam just come out of random places. Every so often something's going to explode. <laughs> Take your chances, fellas. Run for the hills. Oh, and by the way, you've got five minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. And well, if you... <laughs> You seem to be having having a go at this film for someone who'd give it 10 out of 10. Yeah, you sure it's not a 9? Nah. (laughs) I find the geography of the Nostromo quite difficult to keep track of. I don't know what's where in relation to what and like how you get from the bridge to the infirmary or from the infirmary to the sleep bay or or any of that stuff. So I'm not sure if that's intentional or if they just didn't do a very good job orienting us as viewers mm-hmm. but they do a particularly good job with the path from the bridge to the escape shuttle yeah. and specifically there's that corner that we see ripley in a couple of times where the strobe is really going mm-hmm. and the wall looks like it's made out of like cushiony leather mm-hmm. <laughs> it almost looks like the alien yeah so yeah i'm just kind of highlighting the fact that the geography of the ship is confusing to me, except for that one moment. You know that when Ripley gets back to that spot, where you know that the alien was just around the corner yeah. in the previous scene, and you're like, okay, I've got to be, got to be really cautious and careful here. Mm-hmm. I think that's they do that well. She does and eventually. Whilst, oh, go on. And whilst we weren't, we wouldn't have gone to get Jones. We were both happy to see Jones was still in the crate. Yes. Know, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, very much. And she very unceremoniously chucks the crate into the shuttle (laughs) as she gets to the threshold of the shuttle. Jones, actually, (laughs) considering she she clearly loves cats, otherwise she wouldn't have bothered. She's a bit rough with poor Jones. When she puts him in the box in the first place, she kind of crams him in with the palm of her hand. That's more or less what we have to do with our cat when we take him to the vet. So she gets to the shuttle, she starts prepping it for departure, and she leaves, and the, the ship explodes. Andy. No, I feel like I've ragged on the film enough. Okay, fine. <laughs> I just wanted to say that I think the explosion's stupid as well. Well, I, I, I quite like the look of it. I think it's they very, could have, I think they could have just gone with a Star Wars esque bang. It's very excessive with mm. the I like the I like the triple. I like the triple explosion. But it looks uh, there's nothing more to explode though. How does so how does something explode three times? So much three times. Yeah, it's not know. like the third one is any smaller than the second or the first. I've got no idea. I, 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 can't, Still looks I cool. can't help you. I think it looks cool. Um, well, the alien, you just suddenly realise it's on the ship when she's getting ready. Yeah. And it fits so well with the wall. It's like the head is one of the panels you know, on the wall. Yeah. And do you know what? It it surprised me, even though I knew it was there. This time around watching it, I jumped. Because mm-hmm. I, I know it's there. But even even then, maybe the room was poorly lit and the, the contrast wasn't quite right on the television. But I think it's part of the aliens' um, makeup to be camouflaged, yeah. hard to spot. I mean, mm-hmm. it comes up in aliens yep. that they you know they don't show up on infrared. They're difficult to see and that kind of stuff. So I think I think I got one of my only jump scares in this film from that bit where the hand sticks out. Only yeah. one. Well, the other two were from the cat. It's good though, isn't it? So so Ripley is doing. Quite fortunately, she's in the corner. Is the alien having a nap at this point? Well, I think he is because I'm, I've got a question mark. It's my last note. Alien yawn. Yeah, he does yawn at one point, <laughs> right? So. His, yeah. his inner jaw comes out, he goes, and he. Oh. I wasn't really sure what that was supposed to be. I thought, is he is he having a nap? 
I think so. so. She's okay. obviously, you know, busy getting into the fortunately um, position space and stuff and forging a plan. And it reminded me a little bit of the family trucks at this point, because <laughs> why is there a constant ticking in the shuttle? Why is what's going on? Oh my god! I love, I love that you have said that the the shuttle of the Nostromo is like the family truckster. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine spending any amount of time in that flipping shuttle with this like constant ticking? Why is yeah, it? You put yourself to sleep very, very I, honestly, quickly, but you? it's loud and mm. constant and quite fast. I don't know what it is, but anyway, having a go at the film again. <laughs> observations i actually think a lot of the ambient sound we'll get onto it is brilliant in this movie it's fantastic mm. yeah, yeah. i just don't understand the ticking I tell you folks watch that scene and you tell me what that is because i have no idea what is going on and write in please do yeah please do but your best suggestion as to what yeah. the ticking is all right i think unless anyone else has anything that'll do it for the small stuff we will take a break Let's move on to the categories. Before we do the main categories, let's uh, let's just do the quick hits. There were no binoculars in, used no. in this film. Uh, there were also, even though I thought there might be, there were no backhanded spit wipes. I, who was going to do it? Well, Brett, Brett, Brett and Parker, I yeah, thought, yeah, were yeah. primed for backhanded spit wipes. And I, obviously, I can't really watch the film with like <laughs> only backhanded spit wipes in mind. Mm-hmm. So there may have been one that I missed, but no, no, I, I didn't believe, see any. I do not believe there are any. Okay, bad ways to die. There are a lot of bad ways to die in this film. A lot. Please, throw what's the worst way to die. I think Parker's, for me. Because okay. he gets impaled by the tail, and then the second mouth through the face. Okay. I mean, I, that, I, I didn't realise it was quite that gruesome. I mean, it's hard for me to follow. I'm an old man. I don't see things too clearly anymore. Because it's quite clear that Lambert gets the tail in her back, I guess. Yeah. That's okay. nasty. Yeah. But then she doesn't know it's coming. Because she, well, no, she's, she's stood there, right? Mm. And it's sort of creeping below her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a surprise. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, I guess she might have had the mouth through the face as well. We don't know, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm sticking with Kane. You know, he's fine. He's he's aware of that happening. The he's enjoying dinner. Are, he's having his, like, noodles or whatever he's eating. Mm-hmm. And then he's not. And he's got, like, a, a Muppet coming out of him. And that's not yeah. good, is it? Yeah, I think... I, I feel like it has to be Kane, for me. Because... We can't, we can't say Dallas. We don't know. Because we don't know how he dies, mm. yeah. Well, Brett was pretty much the same as... Brett's oblivious to everything. Mm. So... I, I think he's stoned. Most. Well, I mean, I actually, I don't know... I think it weed on board, I don't know, but he seems to be stoned. Yeah, so um, you're saying Parker. Yeah. I think I, I feel Kane. like it's got to be Kane. Kane. Yeah, okay, for me. All right. All right, let's do the... <laughs> Congratulations, Kane, you win. Yeah. Best of death. Worst death. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to Audio Corner. Yeah, I don't have a specific one here. I was hoping it was going to be the uh, motion tracker, but that's the wrong film. That's Aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'm sure we'll do that at some point. Yeah. No, so I'm going to give it to, um, it's a generic one, I'm afraid, folks. But this one for me, it is the ambient sounds of, of the of Nostromo. It's just, it's it gives it life. Um, there's constantly, on on any given scene, there's either, obviously you've got a hum going on in the background, or you've got noise of people moving around, or you've got mysterious clankings and groans and things that are all happening within the ship, which tells you it's alive and something's out there moving in it. So generic though it is, um, ambient Nostromo sounds wins for me. I think the sound design of the ship is great. I mean, you yeah. talked about the noise in the shuttle. It's just an example of that, though, isn't it? It's yeah. just there's something going on all the time. Well, I've got quite a few that I've written down. One of them is in the egg room, like the, in the alien ship, there's like a high-pitched like noise in the background. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know if it's like from the ship or music, but it sounds... It just adds a bit of tension, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. There's a funny one, which is um, when Brett walks through the water just before his death, his boots start to squeak. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like the the noise the water droplets make on his hat. Yes. That's a very satisfying tick. Mm-hmm. There's also um, Ash's robot voice. Like, it's quite... Oh, yeah, yeah. Ominous. When they reanimate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but the winner goes to the I already mentioned it in the small stuff is the heartbeat in the background of the um, yeah. Kane's death. Good. I also want to shout out the the noises of the Nostromo. I think they're they're great. But my mine is it's pretty horrific, but it's also pretty amazing. It's when Parker and Lambert are being attacked, and Ripley is running through the corridors to sort of get to them. And I always assumed it was Lambert making this noise, but the subtitles that I was watching said it was um, Parker whimpering. And it's kind of a <laughs> noise. Oh, was, I didn't do a very good job of it then, but it's it's just horrific because of what you think might be happening. It reminded me a little bit of when Chrissy Watkins dies at the beginning of Jaws and she's like yeah. hyperventilating because of what's going on. Yeah. It's a bit like that. Yeah, I actually have that down death sounds down as my um i couldn't i couldn't give it to death sounds i'm afraid but it's okay. down as my my second nomination essentially right. well i'm going to give it to um, death sounds good okay thank you for giving me a title for it death sounds i'm writing sounds. that down uh, okay best looking scene andy it's when parker and lambert go to get coolant and they enter i guess like a smallish hangar or storage bay or something and there's a quite a brief shot for me where they they're walking into the the area with a cart and they're going past some racks and the lighting is is chef's kiss it's so hmm. good it's so good so this there's that kind of strobey orangey um thing going on and it just looks so good and the metal shining gleaming and it's only maybe you know a second or two when they're coming into the area but uh, i think it looks fantastic it's either that or dallas in the uh air vents but i've already mentioned already mentioned that yeah. so it's uh it's the coolant bay. Well, I'm just going to go straight on to my winner, and that mm-hmm. is um, Ash's body and head burning in the room. Oh. Like, there's one... That's... I know, it's a bit dark. We've already but... had death sounds, and we've had yeah. burning <clears throat> ash. But <laughs> It's a bit dark, but um, I just love the scene when the camera pans out when they're walking out. Mm. You just see the head mm. and, like, the body laying down and then just fire. Yeah. I found myself thinking about the makeup of ash's head at that point because they burn his skin off parker burns his skin mm. off 
And then that just seems to be like a plastic head. An android head. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Why, what, huh? what's, what's, what's your well, mean? It just seems like a mannequin's head. I don't get it. Well, you've got to have a framework to put the features on, I suppose, don't you? It's a, he's a but, robot, after all. I'm surprised the framework that you'd put his features on is basically his face. It's, it's, not, it's not like a rob- like a mm, like a mechanized yeah, yeah. skeleton. Like like, yeah. But anyway, I digress. I have have one honorable mention, which is right at the end when Ripley is putting the spacesuit on in the cupboard, and she puts this. She's got the helmet on, but before she leaves the I'm calling it a cupboard. It's a closet or whatever it is. Before she leaves the closet, she's looking out of the window. And it's just great lighting on her face. And she's got the glasses. So there's two layers of glass because there's the closet window and the helmet window, uh, the helmet visor. And so there's particles in the shot. And then the the cupboard window has D7 written on it. And it just looks great. Yeah, there's a couple there, isn't there? When she's she's kind of looking out the side of the glass of the helmet as well. It's quite a tight crop on her face. It's just brilliant. It's really well done. The stuff in the show, I think it's fantastic. But for me, there was it was a no brainer. As soon as I saw it, I was like, yes, that's the best shot. It's from the outside of the shuttle, from the front of the shuttle and the lights in the windows. And you can see Ripley, like, I don't know, setting up, Mm -hmm. punching buttons or whatever. And, it's just it looks so good with her in illuminated or sort of almost silhouetted in the when, light of the window. When it's like in the like the hangar bit. Yeah, when it's like still attached to the ship. Above, yeah. The ship above. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like little cockpit. The sense of scale is is really cool, isn't it? It does a really a really it's really effective of letting you know the kind of the vastness of the ship. Yeah. So good. Right, the Monsieur Mendel Award for our favourite incidental character. We've already talked about this. There aren't many incidental characters. Aren't there any? I don't think any of them are incidental. I have think that's the put point. something down, but... So let's do the best we can. Okay. Mother's voice. Okay. I think... Mother's voice. When, um... Or mother, I suppose. Yeah. Not really incidental, but... It's only that or the cat, frankly. Mm-hmm. But, um... It's really strange. Her voice seems to change a little bit. Um, when Ripley goes into the shuttle, <laughs> it sounds like, um... Um, someone trying to badly do the Queen's English <laughs> all of a sudden. It's really, it's bizarre. So um, my assumption is, now that we thinking, I'm thinking about it, that that voice is, they're like pre-recorded messages for a set procedure, mm-hmm. right? So I don't feel like that's mother. I feel like that's just, um, you know, company or uh, employee number 12 that's recorded these messages for this procedure. Uh, because that we know that mother doesn't have a voice because to communicate with mother, you have to type. And then mother's response appears on the screen letter by letter on an old Amstrad. Well, you say that. Okay, go on then. But mother is credited with a voice. Okay. I stand corrected. He says, checking IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure. All right, well, while you're checking... I'm going to say mine. It Again, we're, we're clutching at straws here because even the cat is not incidental. Uh, but I'm going to say Jones. <laughs> they go... She goes to a lot of trouble to save Jones, as as previously discussed. Um, is Jones any use whatsoever on board? No, he's a hindrance. Not just in this in this emergency situation, but in general. Like... 
back in the old days, ships might have a cat to catch rats, right? Why is there a cat on board a spaceship? Emotional support. Do you think it's an emotional support? Whose animal? cat is it? That's it's the ship's cat. That's my guess. It's the ship's cat. No and was was the cat was Jones in hypersleep? That's my next question. Is does so. he sleep when the crew sleeps? I think he was in he, one of the pods with the we with one of them, but I didn't see. He does sleep when Ripley sleeps in the, when she goes yes. to bed in the shuttle. Yeah. So I'm assuming yes, but yeah, that was one of my questions as well. That must be whose cat it is. Or at whoever, least who's closest to the cat. Whoever yeah. the cat sleeps with. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to pay attention. Mm. Well, my nomination is not incidental at all, but it's Brett because I find him funny. Okay. I think that's pretty much what this category has come for me. It's like okay. people I find funny and have no impact on the plot whatsoever. But Brett has impact on the plot. But actually, Brett has the least impact on the plot, doesn't yeah. he? Yep. He's the least impactful character, but also the nicest mother credited voice okay. helen horton okay i stand corrected that doesn't necessarily mean the voice in the shuttle was of course mother mm. but okay. who knows? could be auntie <laughs> okay the the best location there's not many locations to choose from no but i mean you know you could choose the bridge or you could choose the infirmary or um the shuttle or the planet, whatever you know, that you've got. There are some options here. Yeah, my favorite is the infirmary. I've said that before. Yeah. I think it looks cool. I think it is believable. It contains some pretty good scenes. There's that funny bit where Ripley goes to talk to Ash, and she looks through the t- the microscope, and he's like, "Don't do that," or whatever he says. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Ooh, sorry." Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's probably because it's nicely lit, and I can see what's happening in it with happening. <laughs> Yeah, it's a more cheerful that. space, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If if you want to call it that, but yeah. So mine is is definitely the infirmary. Okay, well, I've got two that are equally like they're mm-hmm. not they're not well lit or anything. One is the water chain room. I've put water Brett, chain room where yeah. Brett dies with the chains and the water. So yeah, I, I think I, the orange light that is there and the there's like a massive block in the middle mm-hmm. we don't really know what that room is all about and where where do the chains go and where do they come from and where is the water coming from why know. is there a waterfall well, in the middle of the spaceship? we assumed it was like a water purifier well i assumed it was a water purifier or something oh that's interesting because I, I thought it might be something to do with the alien at some point no but then brett would be like what the hell is this water doing here well he looks bemused okay mind you he you're he, he, in any way but and my other one was the air shafts i just think the tight space and the the doors yeah i'm not not a fan fan. not a fan (laughs) i just like the doors i think my favorite location or the best location is the the largest of the chambers in the alien ship where the walls are all um textured and the eggs are on the and it's enormous you see the scale of it as kane is is sort of grappling down to the bottom. I just mm-hmm. think that's a great location. So that's mine. I like the yeah. bridge of the Nostromo as well. Mm-hmm. I like the opening scene where we look at the bridge and we look around and we'll see all of the various bits and pieces. I like that. It's like a really lived-in space with with the kit that's there because it needs to be. You know, yeah. There's no fluff. It's uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, your souvenir. I don't want to be known as the hat collector, so I'm not going to pick what I wanted to pick, which was Brett's hat. 
I don't know. I feel like maybe you should be known as the hat collector. I don't know. Which hat should I pick from this movie? I don't want to be that category. <laughs> Andy's favourite hat of the well, movie. Well, I'm afraid it's going to be now, now that and, you've said that. Okay. <laughs> Andy's favourite. That, I'll add that to the, That's fine. I'll add that to the, oh, yeah. the okay. quick hits. Best hat. Okay, Andy's good. Yeah. Um, so I'm not picking that. I am okay. going to pick the um, one of the incinerators. I'll have Dallas's, please. Okay. okay. It's quite a big item. Um, but I figure I'll put it on the wall and if I need to light a candle or a barbecue or bonfire, I can just whip it out. Yeah. It's got a big enough flame on it. So, uh, it's the equivalent of Homer Simpson turning the light off by shooting the bulb. That also works. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take one of okay. those incinerators. The incinerators. Well, this is what I was alluding to before. Mm-hmm. It's not as I brought it out to be. It's very underwhelming. It's the tiny handheld lights that they have when they go into the infirmary. The terrible ones. Oh no, no! Dim... I think they're they're not lights. You mean the really yeah the thin look... thing yeah. with the? I think it's it's like an electric probe of some kind because he zaps the he zaps the face hugger carcass with it and it reacts. Oh, so yeah. it's it's like a it's like an electric electrode or something. Wow. It's a mini cattle prod. So even, even more useful. They mostly looked at. They mostly used it as a light though. So that's yeah. why. I... <laughs> This is like this little stick with a it's like quite a cool, light up bowl yeah, at the end. From a souvenir from a movie, it's quite cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm going for Jonesy's crate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for the cat box. I mean, you could actually use it as exactly. a cat box. It would be actually exactly. quite useful. And it's robust. We yeah. know it's robust because yeah. Ripley chucks it into the, yeah. the shuttle. And Jones is fine. So, if you... We have to take. I've already mentioned we have to take our cat to the vet from time to time. <laughs> well, that's an interesting it's... cat crate. Oh, it's funny you should ask. Well, it's it's the it's the cat crate that's used in Alien. <laughs> so, is this best souvenir from the movie, which has a practical use? <laughs> <laughs> I just think I, it it goes back to, and this has come up multiple times as well. It goes back to my love of a uh, obscure geeky T shirt. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea that my souvenir from the film is is obscure, but if you know, then you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going for the cat crate. Jonesy's cat crate. Excellent. All right. Coolest look. So I'm going to go first on this one. Uh, quick honourable mention for Dallas's Nostromo jacket that mm-hmm. he wears right at the beginning. That's quite cool. I would go. I would wear that. Uh, Ripley's shoes. She's kind of got these quite almost Converse-y kind of shoes. Mm-hmm. She looks really cool in them. Uh, but I'm going to go with Brett's shirt. He's got kind of okay. a Hawaiian shirt. He does. And He's got I've, a bit of a Magnum vibe, hasn't he? A little bit of Magnum vibe. Yeah. Uh, I like to think that Brett or Brett's shirt or fashion sense was inspiration for Wash in Firefly and Serenity because Wash kind of wears Hawaiian shirts and I love. we True. all love Wash. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Brett's shirt as my uh, coolest look. Brett's hat. No. <laughs> That's a good choice, of course. Um, does the alien count? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then that. But it's if, iconic, if it right? didn't count, I was going to go for Ripley's shoes and like her outfit before all of the like, stuff happened. It was very 80s before the 80s. Okay. That's what I put. Yeah. That's cool, but you're actually going with the alien, and I think yeah. that's very cool. I mean, the alien design <clears throat> is, is epic, isn't it? It's famous. Yeah, it is iconic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mine... I'm not sure it's the coolest, but it's my favourite. It made me laugh, actually. Um, Parker's shirt. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So so Parker's shirt gets steadily worse <laughs> 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 to the point where he's getting the coolant 
he looks like a caveman. It's like just yeah. just ripped up rags. It's barely a shirt. Why does is he it? keep it on? It's yeah. brilliant. I meant to I meant to reference that actually. It is it's ridiculous, isn't it? So um yeah. I'll have um the ragged remains of Parker's shirt. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, and as always we'll finish with uh, closing credit. So this is a funny one because the credits are about seven people, eight or so. So there's there's actually nothing. So I scoured I mean, I watched the entire credits. I don't often do that, but I, I had to find something which was slightly amusing. And this, well, it's not amusing. It was interesting. So as with any movie, it goes through the cast and then goes through, you know, directors and anyone involved in the production of the film. And then it starts to talk about or starts to credit music. And there's only a couple of bits of music it references. And one is Ina Kleiner Nash music. Dallas is listening to it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In the so subtle. in the credits, it's just casually mentioned. Ina Klein and Ash music, W dot A dot Mozart. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, oh, that's good. It's just, so yeah. weird. Casual so, yeah, reference to Mozart. Mozart has just dropped in there. It's 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 bizarre. I think there's a I forget the other piece. It's a Haydn piece, I think, and he also is just mentioned as if <laughs> that's just great. a contemporary artist. But there we are. Well so, done, Mozart. Mozart, congratulations. Mo who? Mozart. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. And thank you, Morgan. Thank you. And cheerio from me. Next time, we will be discussing, I think, Groundhog Day. If we can get the recording schedule sorted, that's what we'll record. Maybe we won't. Maybe it will be something else. Let's assume that it's Groundhog Day. Give it a watch if you can, if you want to join us along with us. Uh, But don't forget the small stuff.